Everybody, 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 drop your Hi, welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. So today we are talking episode two of Survivor 41 titled Juggling Chainsaws. But before we get into that, Evan, I wanted to talk a little bit about the fallout of the Come On In Guys conversation on last week's episode. Uh, Last time when we spoke about Survivor 41, We did talk about this and we did say, you know, this is the headline coming out of the episode. And we talked a little bit about some of the troll reaction that Ricard was getting online. But this discourse had not slowed down in the past week. Uh, And it's not just from trolls in their mother's basement commenting on Ricard's social media, but it's also coming from former players. Well, you could argue that they're not dissimilar, but... Well, exactly. (laughs) Like, let's talk about some of them, because number one on the list is Russell Hance, who is Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah. So Russell has a YouTube channel where he talks about Survivor. Uh, He is so jealous of Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? Like, he wants to be Joe Rogan. And he's really, really trying to build a career based on the fact that he's not good enough to win this game. And he's saying that woke culture has ruined Survivor and he's done watching and they're going to lose a million viewers over the course of the season, which like they lose a million viewers over the course of the season every season. The premiere always has the highest ratings. (laughs) So like we know, we know. Uh, And also... With regards to Russell Hance, I think that if anything ruined Survivor, mm. the thing we could point to is Russell Hance 11 years ago. So You always have to wonder, too, with people like Russell, how much conviction is behind these, mm-hmm. like, uh, these thoughts and not just sort of like riling up a base. Because I was listening to the Behind the View podcast, and one thing that Sunny said um, rather shadily in a great way about Bill O'Reilly was she was like, the thing about Bill O'Reilly is he actually believes some of the things he says. Mm. And the implication of that comment, which I'm sure Sunny was aware of, was that a, a lot of what he says he doesn't believe. And I have to think it's similar with a lot of these both Survivor alumni, but people coming out with these like hardcore feelings about the phrase you guys on Survivor. It's kind of like how much of it is you really feeling some type of way and how much of it is sort of latching on to, hey, there's discourse happening. Let's take the most polarizing opinion and run with it. Exactly. Exactly. Another one who probably falls in that category is Troy Zan, who... I don't think anybody has thought of since Game Changers, and he had no business being there. I was going to say, I didn't think of him much during Game Changers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He tweeted about Ricard, I believe, saying that he's his least favorite player and asking if he's also offended by the saying the tribe has spoken. Just this, like, you know, very childish, like, digs. And Troy's hand first of all, has no business being a returning player or even a memorable player in any way from One World. But all of that aside, Troy Zan, keep in mind, 
is a grown man who asks other people to call him Troyzan. Yeah. So done. Canceled. Another one that hurt me was uh, Danny Boatwright, who gave an interview on what looked like local news from 1997. Let's just contextualize real quick. That is the winner from Guatemala. And I say that just because I think for a lot of people out there, uh, one might not remember that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you may remember Danny as uh, the flop from Winners at War. Uh, Danny said that by removing guys from the phrase, come on in guys, Survivor is somehow alienating its biggest audience, which is the Midwest. I'm not sure uh, whether that demographic is true. I could see it being true. Maybe, maybe. But that also implies that that there's a part of the country that thinks in a monolithic way. So it's like, not only do I find that entirely untrue, uh, what she's saying just like factually, but also it's just like this idea. I mean, what she seems to convey in that statement is that the Midwest is all sort of, I I don't want to divide this to be a conservative liberal conversation because it's certainly not that simple. But the implication of what she's saying, I believe to be is that the majority of the survivor viewer is a conservative viewer. That's what I'm taking Mm -hmm. away from her statement. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Danny Floprite. Finally, another one that hurts me is apparently Kimmy Kappenberg uh, took some time out of her busy schedule of comparing vaccine mandates to the Holocaust to complain about the dropping of guys. Uh, That one hurts. I don't know exactly what she said because all her socials are private. I have just heard that she spoke up about it. Uh, And that's really disappointing because, you know, Kimmy, I've said before, is a a favorite of mine from Cambodia, Second Chance. I think she had a lot of growth, but uh, unfortunately not in this area. I do want to say on the flip side, I did see one alumni being the great Eliza Orleans Mm -hmm. did come forward in defense of both Ricard and just sort of, I don't know if she explicitly called out any former alumni, I don't, but I she do did, know. She did call out Troy Zan. Thankfully. Um, yes. So I think it was, uh, there are people out there, again, going back to what I said last week, the voices of dissent, if you will, are always going to be the loudest. Yes. So I do think there are plenty of players out there uh, that either look at this as a good move for the show or just a non-move for the show. Um, but again, people like your Dannys and your Russells and your Troy Zans and I guess your Kimmies are going to be the most vocal because they have the most controversial opinion. Yeah. And, you know, what I really liked about what Eliza said was that she pointed out uh, something that I think I said last week, which was that Jeff is in the position of power in this situation. And to put his decision making onto players is inherently unfair to them. Mm. Right. So now we're seeing Ricard take the brunt of this quote unquote backlash and Jeff not really having to deal with it. I mean, Jeff even said in the episode, tweet at me, I'm not going to read it. Well, that's not necessarily the case for Ricard. He, you know, he's, you know, living his dream of being on Survivor and now his social media is flooded with trolls. And so that's his experience. Right. I think this would be a great opportunity for Jeff to come out and maybe address something. Um, Jeff did do uh, a live on TikTok the other day which i did tune into and he said uh, nothing of any consequence on this so i do just want to mention though because i think it is relevant that 
the come on in did not actually take place in episode two um, mm. because they were situated on platforms on water. Um, mm-hmm. So there is not your prototypical, you know, tribe emerging from from the shrubs. So I just think it was interesting, not only that it was such a big part of episode one, but it was so big a part of the discourse between episode one and episode two. And then episode two arrives, which presents the first opportunity to see this change in action outside of, you know, no, because it did... There was last week was common in you guys prior. Yes. Prior to the discussion. So this was our first opportunity to see that change play out and we didn't even get to see it. Um, And one other quick thing I do want to mention, which I think sort of underlines this conversation, not you and I, but the larger conversation sort of missing the larger point is immediately following in episode one. I don't think we discussed this, but as soon as they make the comment and they decide that it's going to be come on in moving forward, Jeff is throwing something at the tribes. I think it's after they win the reward or I'm not even sure he's throwing something their way and he, and he, does, he has a bad throw and he says, yeah, sorry, man. the dice, the yeah. dice. Right. And he says, sorry, man, to whoever he throws it at. And Again, I'm not offended by this at all, but when we're having larger conversations about gendered language, as I think is the goal with the comment in you guys comment, I do think it's notable that it's like, it just kind of shows you how, and this isn't a, a dig at Jeff at all. It's rather to show how ingrained this sort of rhetoric is, not even in the game of Survivor, but in life. So I think that, again, I'm not mad that he did it. I don't think he did anything wrong here, but I just do think it's worth noting that it's like, the show makes this, for many, what is a substantive change, and yet seconds later, you're retur- you're swapping out guys for man. You know, yeah. I just think that's. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to say it's notable, but I think it's worth noting. Is there yeah. a difference? <laughs> but I'm, I'm making it so. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that he uh, did not say "come on in" this episode because I bet you, I bet you that ninety percent of the people who are worked up about this didn't notice. Totally. You know, and that's the case if, if he had just changed it. I think most people maybe notice and forget about it. it. That's it. Like it is not a big change to deal with. Can I point really quickly to there is a uh, episode one, like exit interview or something that Jeff did. I don't, I don't know what it's called with Enter- entertainment weekly that Jeff did where he's sort of talking mm-hmm. about his thoughts yeah. on episode one. I implore everyone to seek out this article and go to the bottom and read the last question uh, where Jeff is asked about why he looks down at his feet prior to saying the come on in. <laughs> and Jeff's response is crazy. I, Wild. for so long, have held this belief that Julie Chen is like the most um, sort of, I don't know, uh, Xenu of the of the lot of like the CBS personalities. But Jeff really, there. I mean, like his <laughs> response is, yeah, wild. Anyway, please go check it out. Yeah, yeah. He has an alter ego in his head. <laughs> okay, let's put this aside. I don't know if it's going to come up again. I hope it doesn't. But uh, hopefully the next time we're talking about this, we are sitting down with Ricard or something and he's giving us his experience. Let's let's put that in the universe. Okay, let's get straight into the episode. So the episode opens without a previously on or a title sequence. We're just thrown straight into the drama, which is very uh, season 39 was kind of like how they were doing this. And I think this is the way that they wanted to move forward. I think they went back to the old style of things for 40 because of its sort of landmark status and trying to bring in old school viewers. But I think this is how we're opening Survivor now. We've got no time to deal with anything else because there's so many twists to explain. 
So we uh, come straight in to the Ua camp and we don't get any fallout from the vote really. And this was disappointing to me because it was such a bizarre vote, particularly for Ua, the green tribe, uh, who voted out Sarah in episode one because that vote was complicated, right? We had votes on Brad, we had a vote on Brad, we had a vote on Ricard, and we had votes on Sarah, there was a live tribal. I think it would have been really nice to be able to figure out what the hell went on with that vote, particularly with the genie vote for Ricard, I was because just that say, I do not understand. I mean, and, and there's two sides to that too. There's like hearing from Jeannie as to why she made that decision and then getting Ricard's response to having mm-hmm. his name thrown out there. So yeah, I thought that was particularly odd and then also early on we have that scene in which i mean brad running like uh you know pulling uh, what's his name tony he's running around and real fast um but i thought one of the more interesting elements of that taking brad out of it because i don't find him super interesting was watching um ricard and jd sort of being buddy buddy and i was like here i was last week saying i think ricard is in a really bad spot and this edit seemed to convey quite the contrary this edit was making it seem as though ricard and shan are really tight Mm -hmm. and in fact it looks like brad and genie would be on the outs right now so I think that's, uh, yeah, I, I needed a little bit more discussion considering it was such a heated tribal. I mean, it's not only did, not only was it a live tribal, but then like you said, you have like this genie out of nowhere uh, vote come out. So I could have, yeah, could have used a little bit more. Yeah, totally. Me too. So we see Ricard and JD going to the water well. They're talking about Brad. It's nothing bad, really. They're just kind of saying like, you know, Ricard's saying, Hey, JD, I'm pretty sure Brad thinks you have the idol. I don't know if we can trust him. Pretty, you know, normal conversation for Survivor. Uh, But Brad, yeah, of course, goes and does his spy shack thing. He hides in the bushes and listens to them and then races back to camp before they get back. And he tells Shan as soon as he gets back to camp, hey, I just went and spied on them. And I did this for us. And then we get this confessional from Shan where she says... I'm not comfortable with this. If Brad's going to do this to Ricard and JD, why wouldn't he do it to me? And maybe Brad's a liability here or a threat to me. But my counter argument to her, which I'm sure she's considered, is the devil you know, right? So there's something to be said about the fact that even though Brad is playing fast and loose, the fact that Brad is showing his cards to her so willfully um, means that in addition to seemingly having the trust of JD and uh, Ricard, she seems to also have it with Brad, which once again positions Shan in such a powerful place Mm -hmm. within this tribe. So Mm -hmm. I think if I were Shan at this point, and it seems like they're not, I mean, they obviously didn't have to make this vote at this point, but it seems like Genie is the one to go both from a physical strength of tribe, but also from the perspective of Shan seems to be, have relationships with the most people on the tribe. Yeah, yeah. And it's really a shame we don't see Genie in this episode. We do not. Not at all. So let's move over to the Luvu camp where we get a scene that was released last week. Uh, So every week Survivor releases secret scenes, so deleted scenes. Uh, Typically I don't keep up with these, but this year uh, I'm going to try to watch them so that it can inform my podcasting. But uh, we see a scene of Deshaun trying to start fire, uh, which obviously happened much earlier on than day four. 
but Deshaun is struggling to make fire and he's quipping to Erica that if she needs someone to take to the final four fire making challenge, maybe it's him because he just can't get it started. And then we see Nasir step in and get a little bit of a hero edit because he starts the fire very quickly. We get a little flashback to his life growing up in Sri Lanka where he had no running water, no electricity, and no modern toilet. And we get a a lovely shot of the actual toilet. I don't know know where they pulled this from. Yeah, wow. (laughs) Uh, And then we get uh, a confessional from Sydney, who, remember, last week was quite wary of Nasir because he was you know, strategizing after saying that they shouldn't strategize and talking about how Deshaun and Danny were idol hunting. Uh, and and she was talking about potentially getting rid of him. But now, uh, now that they're a few days into the game, she's saying, you know, he's actually playing a provider role for the tribe. And maybe it's in my best interest to keep him around for that reason. So I'm kind of happy to see this for Nasir because I think that he's a very charismatic, interesting character and an easy person to either get booted right away or potentially make it all the way to the end. And I think also what's great about Nasir, and he shares this in common with Ricard, unlike Tiffany, and I think this is one of the great things about Survivor, especially for new viewers of the show to come in and and see, which is that like you can be on the bottom one week and then things can change so very quickly. And so I appreciated the fact that on the one side, I know we'll talk about it in a second, but with Tiffany, we sort of get an expansion upon what was built in episode one. But in the case of both Ricard and Nasir here, we kind of see the ways in which time relaxation into the game itself and then just like you know growing bonds amongst tribes can really shift the role very quickly especially so when you're in a situation of a six-person tribe um when i think even more so it's easy to go from the bottom and sort of you know wheel your way around yeah i just wanted to add real quick because we're leaving luvu and i just i were going to leave the heather train behind real quick Mm. speaking of uh People that did not factor into the episode that were big in my heart, um, Heather. The Heather Essence mm-hmm. is not yet here, um, but I can feel it coming. And I don't want to steal. I don't have the person's tweet up right now. Actually, I do. That's funny. I was like, do I have it up? I do. <laughs> so there's a tweet from at Classically Gia. And the tweet is basically comparing Heather uh, to Jennifer Coolidge's character in The White Lotus, Tanya, uh, for anyone that's seen The White Lotus. And I just thought this is perfect it's so apropos um in that heather is not doing much but being that great sort of uh cheerleader off to the side um there's just there's something about mary and there's something about um heather i I just really (laughs) i have my eye on her despite the fact that survivor (laughs) editors do not yeah i'm literally dying to see heather interact with people at camp like yeah i don't know why we're not seeing this i do just want to say though i watched the show last night at a bar and there's the moment during the challenge itself, which is not jumping ahead because I don't think we would touch on this, but there's a moment in the challenge. Um, Heather, who sits out of the challenge, is you know cheering on her team and it does this cutaway and just Heather does this big, loud, boisterous cheer. And yeah. the entire room that I was in just lit up with excitement just because there's Heather just has a, an energy about her. Um, it definitely felt a little bit, the room divided in terms of laughing at, laughing with, but I can say I was squarely in the camp of laughing with, and I just really like Heather, and yeah, we need more Heather. Yeah, she's charming. In the moments we see her, she's charming, so I don't know why we're not seeing her more. 
Okay, let's move over to the Yellow Yasa tribe where Xander is a little paranoid at camp. He's there along with Liana and he's going like, where's Voce? Where's Evie? Maybe we should go split up and look for them. And so Liana's like, yeah, good idea. Instead of looking, Xander goes idol hunting and he finds the beware advantage, the very one that Jeff planted in the opening shots of season 41. So now we finally get to see what's in this. And this is an advantage that it tells you beware right on on the front. And it says if you choose to take this or open this, it comes with a risk. And so Xander sort of hums and haws over it and he accepts the risk. So he opens it up. Here's what it is. It is a three-way idol, which when I first heard that, I thought it was you need three people to come together in order to use it as one idol, but that is not the case. There are three idols, one in each camp, and they will only have power once they've all been found. And then in order to activate the idol, the holder of the idol or the holder of the beware advantage must say a secret phrase at a challenge. So there are three different phrases. The phrases are, the one that Xander has is, I truly believe the butterflies are our dead relatives saying hi. The other two phrases are, I'm as confused as a goat on AstroTurf, and I didn't realize this till now, broccoli are just a bunch of small trees. Which I need to point out are not equally sort of constructed. No, at all. Like that broccoli one is really putting you out in a way that the goat yeah. AstroTurf, like there, you can... You can put that into a conversation. Don't get me wrong. It's a little clunky, but like, you know, it's rooted in confusion, right? But yeah. it's like the broccoli thing, so out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. To- like that one feels unfair. I would be mad if I got that. Okay. So I can even I? feel like okay. the butterflies, I feel like the butterflies you could do. Yeah. You could get away with. You could yeah. be like, oh, you know, like it's been a tough day. I mean, Xander did okay with it, but I feel like there, I'm sure there are butterflies there. You could yeah. talk about that. Yes. It was, it's definitely, um... It seemed odd, but not like sus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, okay, but I have so many questions, um, and maybe some of them you know the answer to. Does Xander need to say this again? Right? Is is saying it once the unlock, and so he's just waiting. The other two then have to say it, and he's good. Or will Xander have to repeat this at every single challenge moving forward until the idols are found? Okay, so I don't know the answer for sure. What I believe is that he has said it once. As soon as somebody else finds a beware advantage, they will probably remember that they've heard this phrase before that they're reading. And so they'll probably remember that Xander has it. So the new person at the next one will probably say their phrase first. You know, if I was Xander, I would hold on to my phrase for now. I would not be the first person to say it. But I think that all three need to be said at a challenge. And so it may not be a case of Xander saying it at every challenge, but waiting to hear one of the other phrases so that he says it and hopefully the third also gets said. Got it. Okay. But the I phrase do... is not changing and I think they all have to be said at one challenge. I do think we needed some clarity on that. And yeah. I think that when you have um, new elements put into the game, of which I think this is a pretty exciting one and, and quite entertaining for the audience, I do think it needs to be really clearly explained how it worked. So part two of my question is, 
One of the consequences of this is that Xander lost his vote. In the event that those other two idols are not found, because it is not guaranteed mm -hmm. that those advantages are going to be picked up, is there a world in which Xander loses his vote for the rest of the game? I yeah. have to imagine that once the merge happens or a swap happens, like something, there's some sort of plan in place. But again, it's at this juncture, there's no way of knowing how big of a risk Xander took because is there a world in which he plays the rest of this game without a vote? I just would love a little bit more understanding of like the guardrails around this um, because I, I think that this could just completely blow up his game in a way that um, is almost unfair because I just think to lose your vote, I, yeah, that, that part to me is a, little, is a little tricky. Yeah, yeah, so he cannot vote until the other two idols are found and activated. So, yeah, it, I think there is a world in which he could not have a vote for many, many weeks uh, if he's kept around. I don't have any inkling that the other two beware advantages will not be found. I think we'll probably see them be found in the next week, if not two weeks, right? Uh, so I think it's going to happen, but it's like a hell of a consequence for finding this. Right. And what I don't understand is, you know, Xander has an extra vote. Can Xander use the extra vote? It seems like no. It seems like no. Or can he transfer his extra vote to somebody else to cast a vote for him? Which that I would love to see. I think that that would be a great, great move. I, I had the exact same thought. And, and with all these questions, it's sort of just, I think uh, Stephen Fishback said this at one point, but he was like, I need there to be a web page that just sort of lists. Yes. Here's all of the idols currently in play. Here's who has them. Here are all of their options of what they can do just because... I don't think this is too convoluted, but I do think that there's just too many open-ended aspects to it. And the other thing that I, as a viewer, wonder is like, does Xander know all of this? Like, is he, does he know if whether or not he can leverage that uh, extra vote? Like, is that something that the producers are explaining to him so that he has that option? Is it even weighing on him? Like, there's just, there's a lot of ramifications of this that need explored. And I guess one question I have just while we're talking about it, how are we four days into the game and two beaches do not have idols being found? Yeah, I think it's really strange. It's just kind of like we know they're there. Uh, there are players on the bottom on both tribes. Brad, for instance, is clearly willing to play, you know, in, a, in an aggressive way. It's odd. And then also just like even um, uh, 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 Heather, not Heather. Oh, my God. Uh, 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 Tiffany, my girl Tiffany. Tiffany. We had Tiffany looking for idols in episode one. And then she just sort of like, I guess the, the narrative is that she just was like, mm, can't find it. I'm done. It's like <laughs> I, I, I want more of these players in terms or even Evie. I'm like, Evie knows this game. Why aren't they out there finding idols? So I was surprised that we aren't even getting idol hunting. Um, I mean, obviously, we probably are. We're not seeing it. But like, where are the idols? Yeah, I have to say, looking back at episode one, when Tiffany was looking for the beware advantage and she was right in front of the tree in which we knew it was hiding, thank God she didn't get it. Oh, God. Like, thank God. She yeah. could not, ha she, she can't understand the rules now and she certainly couldn't have understood them in the heat of, of being about to go to tribal. No, we'll get to her. Yeah, so, and, and you know what? I think there probably is idol hunting going on in the other beaches, but... We have a show that is full of like having to do these diversions, like going to this prisoner's dilemma island, which we will get to, 
but that eats up a lot of time and so we're losing a lot of camp life that's one of my big complaints about modern survivors so many of these twists the redemption island the edge of extinction all these twists they take up a lot of screen time in which we could be learning about the social dynamics at the various tribes especially those tribes who aren't going to tribal like a luvu we have no idea what's going on at luvu really i think what's that is one of the disadvantages too about doing a three tribe season is that mm. you're already losing a ton of camp life but you have two entire tribes who essentially in this episode in particular we got very little of the other two tribes um and also because this is such a unique season with the COVID of it all, I particularly want camp life in the very beginning mm -hmm. because this is a major adjustment for these people, not only playing the game of Survivor, but being re-socialized. So, and in, we had reason to believe after Jeff's comments at the outset of the game that things were going to play out a little differently in, in the sense of like, let's have those discussions about what's going on in the world and let's acknowledge an ecosystem bigger than the game of Survivor. And yet episode two was very uh, game oriented. So yeah, I definitely was, I was uh, maybe mistakenly uh, led to believe that we were going to get more camp life. Um, but yeah, so far we've gotten, most of the edit that we've gotten has been game oriented besides doing the sort of here's a little look at like Nasir's life before the game. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I want to have Nasir sharing that story with others because right now it seems like Nasir's sharing that story with us, the viewer, which has no impact on his game. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see, you know, talking about Deshaun trying to make fire and saying to Erica, look, if you need a final four fire, someone to drag to the final four fire making challenge, then pick me. I want to see Erica's, you know, I want to see Erica react to that. Like in a, in a real fashion, I want to see like what, you know, that's, that's quite a comment to make. It's obviously a joke, but Hey, that plants a seed in people's minds. What is Erica's thoughts on Deshaun? I have literally no idea. You know, that's the only, that's, that's the extent to which I've seen them interact. So yeah. I think that's, that's disappointing. Uh, but let's go back to Yasa where Xander shares his beware advantage with Voce and Evie. So Xander says, you know, my alliance is Voce and Evie. Evie also says, I have an alliance with Voce and Xander. Evie is uh, privately sort of concerned about the power that Xander's holding. Evie is able to read the entire clue with Voce, fully understand it. Uh, I feel that Evie understands the clue better than, or, sorry, I think that Evie understands the rules of the Beware Advantage better than anybody else on the Yasa tribe at this Clearly. point. And, uh, and they're not very comfortable with it. And in confessional, Evie says uh, that they feel it's more, uh, Evie says that they feel more comfortable with the women in the tribe, Liana and Tiffany, and notes that when women go to the end with men, the men tend to get all the credit at the final tribal. And this is my favorite confessional we've had this season. Evie's delivering here. Exactly, yeah. exactly what I wanted them to. And it's just oh, so much to say about this. I'll keep it brief, but like it's, it's exciting to see a player like Evie go into this game with an awareness of not only the past ways in which this game has been played, but it, an effort to undo it. Cause I feel like we've yeah. gotten instances like notably, I'm not throwing her under the bus cause I love her dearly, but like Angelina, for instance, comes in and David versus Goliath and makes that astute observation. Men are finding too many idols. 
But then Angelina can't find an idol and needs to use two men to help her find said idol. I feel like Evie is really taking control of their fate in the game and actively sort of like moving the show forward in saying, yes, it might be the more obvious alliance to stick with these two strong men, but I really connect with Tiffany. I like Liana. We have a thing going. And I just felt like it was exciting to see someone make a choice that isn't necessarily the obvious choice on paper. I feel like we get the obvious choice quite often. And Mm -hmm. I think this will benefit them in the long game. Yeah. Um, So then we see right after that confessional, we see Evie tell Liana and Tiffany the details of Xander's idol. Liana has a great reaction to this where she sort of like looks away and swears. And uh, this is just a glimpse of things to come. Uh, But before that happens, we go to the immunity challenge. So Xander says his phrase. uh, The way he says it is that, you know, they had a long night. Jeff took away their flint. He didn't sleep in the rain and he woke up delusional and had this thought that uh, that butterflies are our dead relatives saying hi. And everybody laughs. We see everybody laugh at that. And Jeff says kind of like, okay. Chef's kiss. But again, yeah, if he has to say this again at a future tribal, like, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. The way I would have played this is that I would have said, you know, before coming out here, my such and such relative died. You know, you could do the Johnny Fairplay dead grandma. And she loved butterflies. And we've got these butterflies at camp. And I go and sit there and it gives me a lot of, you know, peace and strength. Like, that's how you could say it. And then and then that's a part of your story moving forward. So, I mean, making up a lie like that, then you have to sort of like carry that through potentially. Well, the the game, I might just pull a, (laughs) you know, my grandfather had a saying that he used to say, and I decided I'm going to say it before every single challenge just Mm. to give myself an advantage, you know, to give myself to pump myself up. And that way you kind of build yourself, uh, you know, the obviousness of. I'm saying this because there's a built-in reason. It's nonsensical. Don't worry about it. You're going to hear me say it a lot. That's a good one. I like that approach. That's good for the broccoli, the broccoli saying. Because there's, I don't know how you're going to do that. I don't know how. Well, you, you could just broccoli. be like my grandpa. We had this dumb thing we did. Yeah. Blah blah blah. It's like yeah. the more you try and add logic to it, it's like don't even add logic. My grandpa right. and I used to say this stupid thing, and so you're going to hear me saying it before challenges. Sorry, Jeff. Yeah, I like that. That's really smart. Okay, (laughs) so we have a water-based challenge here. So it's a swimming obstacle course. One member of the tribe has to swim the entire length of the course to retrieve a key. Two members are on a puzzle at the end of the course, and the remaining members of the tribes have to swim the obstacle course proper, which includes crossing a tricky Suri beam. I'm calling it the Suri beam. Because isn't this in Game Changers the same kind of a beam that Suri had to cross in her big triumphant moment? Sounds right. I think so. So Xander, Jeannie, and Sydney are the swimmers. Uh, Xander very quickly gets to his key. I don't know why they put Jeannie on the swimming for Ua because she really slowed them down. I have a lot of questions about why they put certain people in certain places in this challenge. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, Luvu is an all-around strongest in this competition, uh, which I attribute 
directly to Heather's cheerleading. It absolutely is Heather. It's like without that, they did it. Yeah. She's the one that got them through. Yeah. Uh, I wish that she had been cheering for Tiffany because Tiffany really struggled across the beam. Um, And I, she got a really interesting edit here because instead of Jeff berating her as he typically would do with, most survivor contestants who are struggling with part of a challenge uh, we see it as really an inspirational moment um, i think they could have edited it either way i mean jeff was yelling at her but it's shown in a way of support like come on tiffany uh and you know they do this like slow-mo and sound effect where you're kind of like supposed to be in tiffany's head or something uh, and she is able to eventually get through it but she's really really slowed down her tribe it's hard to watch. Um, you know, Tiffany's my number one draft pick, so I am here for Tiffany. <laughs> but I don't think that beam was that narrow. I think she should have been able to get across it easier. And it's frustrating when you have a player who people are doubting and then they do something like this that sort of like seeds the doubt. Yeah. And I actually think Tiffany is not a weak physical player at all. Um, And so it's disappointing to watch her just fail this hard because she really, it's like this, they lost the challenge because of Tiffany. Like there's Mm -hmm. no ifs, ands, or buts. So my question becomes, there are five people, only three of whom have to um, actually, you know, traverse in the water. The other two are doing the puzzle. Are you telling me that Tiffany that they all got together and were like, yes, this makes sense. Tiffany, you can definitely, you will. this will be good for you and not a voce, for instance. I, I'm just sort of, this is one of those instances and this happened, this has happened many times when I watch the show where I'm trying to better understand the tribe's thought process in sort of divvying out the different aspects of the challenge. Did you think it was at all odd to have Tiffany on that? Uh, yes and no. I think that what happens, and this is the trick with really small tribes, two people had to be on the puzzle. We don't know Tiffany's puzzle capabilities, right? Tiffany could be terrible at puzzles and says, never put me on puzzles. The people that they had on puzzles, uh, on the puzzle were Evie and Voce, which makes sense to me, the PhD student and the neurosurgeon, right? Like, Their brains are probably wired to do puzzles. They're probably very good at them. And so they sort of hedged their bets and said, look, we might be slower in uh, the actual obstacle course, but Evie and Voce will pull out a fast puzzle win, or at least that was the hope. Uh, That's how I think it probably shook out. But there's no reason that Tiffany couldn't do a puzzle. I mean, it's, it wasn't a difficult puzzle. It was a pretty standard puzzle by survivor standards. Um, it was not, you know, uh, it was not some complicated uh, puzzle that you never see. It, it's, a, it's a traditional puzzle of put pieces together to make a picture. So, yeah, I, also, I do think it was obviously a mistake to put Tiffany in the obstacle course. I, and I think she should have been able to do the puzzle. And it's not like she would have been doing the puzzle alone. Right. Exactly. That's the other thing. If but also, either Evie yeah. or Voce is better at puzzles, put them on with Tiffany and they, you know, yep. they can take charge. Yeah. And just watching Liana fly through at the end, mm. it just was like that was sort of underlined the fact that I just don't think that that beam was that difficult to traverse. And so it just I, she was she was going so slow. She was doubting herself. And it's like, come on, Tiffany, like 
you are a strong human being. Like, just, I, I, it's like one of those moments where it's like, Heather, help her. Like, give her that Heather <laughs> motivation that only you can give and help Tiffany get across. Because I think I, I wasn't frustrated so much by her lack of physical performance as that that defeat that you saw set in with her. And it's like, Tiffany, yeah. you need to have that fire in you so that, that because it's like, it's one thing to lose a challenge. It's another to have the attitude that I think Tiffany had. And that's, I think, what really brought everything down was that Tiffany the the her being out of gas was evident and it's like yeah. fake it girl fake it yeah dig deep dig deep yeah <laughs> uh yeah you mentioned Liana here and I just want to say I am not seeing Liana get enough love online you know on Twitter I think Liana is a star in this season I think all of her reactions at camp are amazing you know finding out that xander had the beware advantage the way she flew through this challenge was incredible like potential challenge beast here and just you know has a really good head on her shoulders in terms of the strategy of the game yes and it's very sensible and evie actually made a mistake in their uh confessional in saying that they were the swing vote but they weren't like it wasn't they they mischaracterized that completely that was sort of erasing liana from the equation here and another thing i love about liana because i totally agree with you liana and this was a great episode for liana in many senses it would have been very easy for someone like liana to go and have these conversations have that conversation with voce and Xander back at the beach while Evie's away and kind of realize, you know what, I'm going to do what a lot of women do on this show in those circumstances and and cozy on up to these guys. And I thought it was just super duper smart of her to say, you know what, I'm with Tiffany. She went to Tiffany. She helped walk Tiffany off that ledge. My goodness, Tiffany was really, you know, um, <laughs> and, cle- and clearly frustrated by it. But yes, I agree with you. I feel like in addition to being so physically great, I feel like the edit sort of made it seem as though Evie was like this mastermind and no doubt they were like Evie was a critical part of this, but Evie choosing to go with Tiffany over going with uh, Volce and Xander, that only was that needed Liana in that equation in order mm-hmm. to work. It was a, the two of them were really um, the fulcrum there. So I felt like uh, as much as, as much credit as Evie does deserve because Evie played a big game in this episode in many, in many ways, yeah, Liana not only proved herself in that challenge there, but there's some strategizing that I don't think the edit was giving Liana enough credit for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so at the challenge, Luvu has Deshaun and Erica on the puzzle. Again, the same duo who did the puzzle in episode one, and they pull off a very easy win. Erica has emerged as puzzle queen of Survivor 41, and I love to see that. So after the challenge, Jeff says, okay, Luvu, you have won immunity. Uh, uh, and then, of course, Uo wins the second immunity. So it's just one tribe going to tribal uh, uh, tonight. And he says to Luvu, you need to choose one player from another tribe and, and, and one player from any tribe, could be yours, and they are going to go on an adventure together. So they choose Evie from Yasa and they choose Deshaun from their own tribe. Uh, also, at this point, I want to note that Jeff's voice is gone. Jeff's voice is gone at this point. He's, I don't know if he's just like not used to screaming in the challenges or like, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, and know. in addition to his refreshed look this season, I think the combination <laughs> of the refreshed look and the voice being gone, it was like such a different <laughs> Jeff than we are used to. Yeah, yeah, totally. 
So, so what happens here is that Deshaun and Evie are taken to what I'm going to call the prisoner's dilemma island because it has to be, the, yeah. the twist has not changed. Uh, and so we, we see Evie and Deshaun have to make that pointless trek up the mountain to, to a bench, <laughs> to a bench. Uh, Evie's face is red when they get up there, like red. So, it, you know, it probably is a, a tough hike to do, especially after doing a challenge and, like, not having food. This was a big deal. So I didn't mention that Tiffany is feeling out of sorts early in the episode because she's saying, we have no food. I have never had such low energy in my life. So I'm trying to keep that in mind uh, as we go through the episode because I'm sure that that is hard on them. And Jeff's trying really hard to push this narrative about uh, 26 days being the hardest thing in Survivor history. Even at the challenge, Jeff says, welcome to day 50. I mean, day five. It's like, (laughs) I can't. (laughs) Yeah. So, sorry. Back to Prisoner's Dilemma Island. Evie and Deshaun are making their way up uh, the mountain and starting to sort of like share things about themselves. And we actually get Deshaun's backstory which I guess is that, I mean, in Deshaun's backstory, he says, I'm not that smart, but I'm becoming a doctor anyway, essentially. (laughs) But they make it like a nice emotional moment. Okay, great. Deshaun has overcome a lot of things to uh, uh, be in school to become a doctor. So it's it's a very, uh, it's a very ingratiating sort of story for Deshaun. But when they reach the top of the mountain, Evie starts spilling the beans and uh, Evie tells Deshaun about Xander's extra vote. They tell Deshaun about the beware idol and how it works. Evie says that they don't want to give away too much information that's important to Evie, but that they're happy to give away information about Xander. And I think that Evie might have gotten themselves into a little bit of trouble here because they say that they're happy to give up Xander's secrets because Xander's probably going to be gone tomorrow. And that's a big assumption for everybody to be making because they have no idea what's going on back at camp. So what do you think of this whole approach that Evie's taking to their relationship with Deshaun? First of all, there needs to be like a snack or something at the top of the mountain. I just feel like there needs to be some like (laughs) mini reward for being selected for this and making this big trek up before you're about to make this big decision. It just seems like there needs to be, if not food, something at the top of that mountain that justifies this trek. Okay. So that's, it would be a great opportunity for a sponsor tie-in Doritos Island or mountain, 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 do mountain. Love that mountain. Yeah. 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 Without, (laughs) without question. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's, Top of mind. Um, I think that I appreciate... I mean, Evie made a bold choice here, obviously, right? They are revealing a lot of information without sort of um, getting anything in return. But I think it's notable that Evie characterized this to Deshaun, made it clear that this is not a debt. There's no debt owed. So that this is this is free information that's being offered. Evie expects nothing in return, uh, only the hope of loyalty um, moving ahead in the game and I obviously think it's very savvy for Evie to try and make a cross-tribal alliance at this stage given the opportunity. I think the question here that can be examined is the amount of information that they offered Mm -hmm. because as you mentioned there's like a list here versus just offering one or two things 
But from Evie's perspective, I imagine what they were thinking was that this will go back and incentivize Deshaun to find that advantage, um, to Mm -hmm. then be able to know that not only she will know, excuse me, they will know who has the advantage, but they will also kind of, again, not actually be indebted, but they might feel that some sort of way about, okay, well, this person helped me procure this, so I'm going to keep them safe. So... I can see this backfiring. I can see why this was risky gameplay, but I probably would have done the same thing. I also think you just climbed a mountain. You've only been talking yeah. to the same couple people. You are suddenly around someone new. He's very nice. He's very sweet. I could just see like all of a sudden my mouth opening and just everything coming out. I related to that moment. It's so funny you say that because I really related to Evie in that moment because they get to the top of the mountain and Evie's like, you know, Xander has this extra vote. By the way, have you heard about the idol? You know about the idol? You want to know how it works? Like, you'd just be excited to talk about totally. it. Totally. And Evie's probably like, okay, I don't know Deshaun, but this is this is my opportunity. It's now or never if I'm going to make a cross-tribal alliance. And so, you know, I think it was it was certainly framed in a positive way for Evie in, in the way that the show portrayed everything. But looking at it as a Survivor fan, I sort of think Evie gave away too much information. But maybe it could work out. You know, if Deshaun is going to be a potential ally for Evie, it could really work out. And so Evie tells Deshaun that they're going to protect their vote because they need it at Tribal tonight. And that Deshaun should risk so that Deshaun has an extra vote moving forward. And, you know, maybe they can work together in the future. So I think I think that's the way to go. I think if Evie just did that, I think it would have achieved the same amount of potential loyalty from Deshaun. But Evie really went above and beyond here, and we'll see how that plays out. Especially, too, because there's a world in which Deshaun goes back to his tribe and reveals this to several of his allies, and they construe it as a wow evie knows a lot of information evie's clearly running things over at their camp Mm -hmm. we need to go after them so Mm -hmm. i just feel like there's potential for voices to get in because i think deshaun might it seemed like deshaun was um receptive to off getting this information and whatnot and potentially moving forward in the game with evie but the more people that know information the more room there is for questioning things and so yeah, I, I do think it's exciting, though, that two episodes in, Evie is, like, making a lot of things happen in the game yeah, and yeah. giving us confessionals um, and having iconic underwear. I think that Evie's offering <laughs> us up a lot, which is just exciting from the viewer perspective. Yeah, yeah. My concern uh, to what you're saying is that Deshaun, we know, or at least we think, is in an alliance with Danny, and they are two strong men. Now that they know that Xander has an extra vote and a beware advantage idol, should Deshaun and or Danny find the beware advantage at their camp, they may want to move forward working with Xander as another strong man. Uh, And, 
Evie could be in a good position with that. You know, Evie, Evie and Xander are allied together, so it could work out for Evie, but it might not work out so well for Liana and Tiffany. But I'm also not sure if I see Xander lasting much longer. Um, yeah, we'll see. But yeah. okay, wait, this, this, this is another question then that we didn't get to earlier that comes up. If Xander goes out in episode three, does that void the possibility of mm. these two idols? I don't think so. I think it would get rehidden. Rehidden, at, rehidden got it, got or it. it becomes legacy. He hands it off to somebody. Yeah, because it's like, how could it? Yeah, it, it's just so complicated. It's weird because everybody at Yasa knows about it now and knows how it works. Exactly. And so it would just be like, are we just lo- looking to see where it's been rehidden? Are we just looking for it? And is there any power in in finding it, knowing what it does, and getting rid of it? in some way and saying, oh, true, I'm, because I'm going it's no to... longer beware. Right. It's, I know all of the rules. Right. And so at that point, it's like, yes, you're avoiding the possibility of your own idol, but you're also avoiding two other idols in the yeah. game, um, yeah. which in itself is a move that, you know, when we talk about resume, which I hate, but like when we do talk about that, um, that is an example of a non move that I actually think it has substantial consequences in a good way that you can really take with you and say, I prevented these people from getting idols. Yeah, I so, suppose you could, if it was rehidden. I don't think it can be rehidden now that I think about it. Because if it's rehidden, let's say it's rehidden, Xander's voted out, and we have Evie, Liana, and Tiffany left on that tribe. It's rehidden. These are th- three people who are working together, and let's say they find it. They say, you know what? We're not going to take it until we hear the other two phrases at at a challenge because why do we want you know in one of us will be forfeiting our vote until then right so we'll just leave it so i don't think it can be rehidden i think that it has to be legacied i think it has to be transferred to somebody but, but you then that's think super that that unfair would be... oh because then that person's losing their vote right and also in the past when we've had this situation that that such information is written on the parchment yeah so anyway just things to consider yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so we go back to Yasa. Tiffany knows that she cost her tribe a lot of time on the balance beam, and she's really worried. We see Voce and Xander uh, talking about getting Tiffany out to keep the tribe strong because they're really worried about a swap or a merge, which I'm not so, so sure we're going to swap this season. I mean, maybe we will, but now with these beware advantages, like... It seems very tribal specific. And so like, so let's say Xander swaps to the Luluvich. Can he just find the other one? And can he say two phrases? Remind me real quick when we in Palau, when things were getting down to like, you know, just, you know, Stephanie and Bobby John at that point, when they were going to challenges, would it be would like five, six, seven people be sitting out? That's how it went. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, that would be interesting if they, if they knock out Xander and then, you know, say, I don't know, someone else goes in that tribe, it's like, yeah, is there a is there a world in which this tribe just pagongs? Or wait, is it pagong or the opposite? Uh, well, it would be no, but, whatever yeah. the tribe was called on Palau, which I forget right now. No, sorry, not pagong. I'm thinking, uh, yeah, I'm, mis- I'm misstating tribes. Anyway, yes, whatever the tribe was on Palau. Anyway, that'll be interesting to see. It'll be entertaining. Yeah. 
So when Tiffany hears that Voce wants her out, which she finds out from Liana because Voce pulls Liana aside and says, look, like, I think it's time to get rid of Tiffany because we can't keep losing. Uh, So Tiffany hears this and she's like freaking out, right? She says that she's not thinking straight, which I think is going back to this, um, this comment she made at the beginning of the episode about how they have no food and she's just like totally out of it. Uh, She says she wants Voce out because she's worried that Xander's idol has power. And this is the narrative for the rest of the episode. Uh, Evie returns from uh, their adventure with Deshaun and sort of walks into this world in which Tiffany is just flipping out. Liana is trying to keep her under control and is is trying to re-explain and re-explain the beware advantage and how it works and tiffany is just like well what if what if xander's lying what if you know he's making this thing up about the phrases and evie looks at her and says i read the rules i have seen the rules with my own two eyes i know exactly what needs to happen to, for these this to be activated it was not activated uh, but Tiffany will not let it go. And you want that moment of Tiffany being like, oh, I'm sorry. I was being a crazy person. I didn't yeah, realize you yeah, saw it. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, we do get Tiffany saying in a confessional that, uh, you know, unless I'm being one of those stupid survivor players. And it's just like, oh, Tiffany. You got to love it. You are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's it's. Sweet Tiffany. It's really disappointing to see from Tiffany because I just loved her so much coming out of episode one. And, you know, like people panic in this game uh, and she's had a really hard go of it in the first six days. But, or five, I guess they're going to tribal on day five here, uh, which is interesting. I am, not. I'm, this is not jumping ahead, but I am hopeful moving forward that there's a world in which this, now that everything has sort of gone to, in the way that Tiffany had hoped that she can sort of wake up the next morning and be like, I need to like have more trust. Stability is key. I've had two tribals where I was the center of attention, which is never a good thing. I, I do think that she can recover from this, but it was surprising because I thought she was going to play a savvier game up top and she is not. <laughs> yeah. So just ahead of going to Tribal, uh, Evie says that they're having second thoughts about who they want to play with and that Xander really, really trusts Evie. So it's sort of pitched just like, where's Evie going to go? Is Evie going to land with Tiffany or with with uh, Xander and Voce? But again, just want to state, had Evie flipped without Liana it would have just been a 2-2. So it was. it's not as though Evie yeah. had as much power as was being presented in what they were saying and the way it was sort of being painted as though Evie was this critical vote. Not that they weren't, yeah, but Liana yeah. matters. I do think that the way that it was being portrayed without ever having confirmation of this was that whichever way Evie's voting, Liana's voting with them. Right. And that's sort of taking away Liana's... Uh, agency in all of this right? exactly like liana can do whatever liana wants uh so at tribal we get this really cringy moment of jeff breaking the fourth wall so we actually haven't seen any crew this episode as far as i can recall uh and jeff's not speaking to the camera up until tribal where he looks at the camera and says the players are about to walk in it could be a crazy tribal because his voice is so shot 
<laughs> and his voice is so shot through the whole tribal. It's it's weird to see Jeff like yes. this. I Face I never refreshed, heard him voice sound like shots. that. Yeah, he's like uh, Benjamin Button. <laughs> <laughs> so at tribal, Voce talks about how in surgery, if you cut the wrong artery, then you'll bleed out from that artery, and they need to figure out which artery they're bleeding from. Obviously, which uh, like Voce's not that opinion, metaphor. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously Voce goes uh, after this tribal and I'm happy to see Voce go because I was done with the medical analogies. Yeah. <laughs> like it was always about being in surgery. Uh, but the way that the tribal is going, it's very much pitched as like, look, uh, we're, we're bleeding from the artery of Tiffany and uh, she's really costing us a lot in challenges. And as we saw little bit of like a, a firecracker unpredictable player in terms of the strategy so like it seems to be that everyone's agreeing that it would be best for the tribe to vote out tiffany but of course they get to the vote remember xander can't vote uh so uh it's a three to one vote for voce to go home and I don't know whether Xander was in on that plan or not, but we see Voce's torch get snuffed and Xander sort of says like, yeah, I felt bad for him. Yeah, but there's it's... reason to believe that Xander mm-hmm. knew what was up, that potentially Evie or Liana pulled Xander aside and was like, mm-hmm. here's what's going to happen. I also think credit to, because I thought this was a fantastic episode. And one of the interesting things was going back to when Evie and Deshaun were at the top of whatever the at the sitting at the the platform at the top Doritos of the mountain. mountain yeah when they were up there Evie basically at that because at that point it was going to be Xander and Evie basically yeah. said it's going to be Xander which yeah I was like wow I've never seen because Evie was not going to lie to Deshaun so at that point I, my understanding was oh they are revealing who is going home right now with the understanding that like mm-hmm. there's enough fire in the tribal that it doesn't ultimately matter like it's still going to be interesting and I think it's a testament to how good this season is two episodes in that like not only was it not Tiffany, it also, and, and here there's what five options here and it wasn't the person you thought it was going to be. It wasn't the second person, you know, that was sort of hyped up to potentially be going, but instead the third person. And I just think that is, yeah, I mean, that just fares. It makes me uh, really enjoy watching this show because I think, Often, especially in the later seasons, I can kind of point at the beginning of the episode as soon as I see the confessional of someone that I haven't heard from in a minute and be like, oh, they're going home. And there was no conceivable way a person could have done that in this episode. Yeah, I think that it's also notable that Tiffany decided the vote. Yes. And that Evie seemingly acquiesced to allow Mm -hmm. Tiffany to have that game move And Mm -hmm. knowing how savvy Evie is at this game and how important it is for Evie to, you know, make moves. Like, for instance, not not being the person that goes with the two strong guys, blah, 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 and instead knocks one of them out. Um, I thought that was extremely notable. Yeah. And because because Evie and Liana could have voted for Xander, right? Yes. They could have kicked Xander out if they wanted because Voce was going to vote for Tiffany and Tiffany was going to vote for Voce. So they still would have gotten Xander out and then gotten back to camp and said like, then do damage control and say like, look, this is why we did this. I'm sorry, Tiffany, but like you were acting crazy and we just had to do what was right 
for our game. But again, this is why you kind of have to wonder if something happened prior to Tribal because especially with Evie and Liana, they're about to make this big game move and Xander ostensibly will have some power down the line if not voted out very soon. And so you have to imagine that they preempted him about what was to come in the hope of we still want to work with you moving forward. It's not three against one moving forward. That's the thing because I think I think what has not been shown is that Evie and Xander are much closer than we're led to believe. We see Evie say that they're really close to Xander and can trust him. So I think that I think that that's much more than we've seen it be because it's really been pitched as uh, Voce and Xander really tight to with Evie, who's also really tight with Liana and Tiffany. But it's very possible that in actual fact, Xander is closer to those uh, that threesome of uh, Evie, Liana, and Tiffany than we've seen. Right. And, you know, Evie may have even shared with Xander that they shared the details of the Beware adventure. Like, we don't know. Right, in an effort to say, like, hey, I did this for us, right? I did this to help uh, expedite the process of getting your idol working. And a three-person alliance is not anything to write home about. No, of course not. They need at least four. Especially when there's the possibility of a swap. Um, Yeah, the other thing I think that's worth noting, and and to to Voce's credit, he did point this out in his exit speech, but it's like... Voce made no effort to get to know the people outside of his core alliance. And I think it would have been really smart of Voce to go to Tiffany, whether earnestly or even just completely BSing, but and try and form some kind of bond with Tiffany. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he was so secure in a game where you're never secure is just really bad gameplay. So I was really glad to see first of all, I think Xander's a more dynamic character. I mean, Xander had some he's just there's a little bit of like there's actually not a little bit. There's there's definite himbo energy. And what's funny mm-hmm. is I remember saying to you, I think it was in our preseason coverage, that I thought Xander was too smart to be a himbo, but like he is like there was textbook himboery yeah. happening. Yeah. Um yeah. And he's just way more interesting to watch because he's strategic and he, he's, yeah, so there's a lot of dynamism there. Whereas with like with Voce, it's like, not only are you not giving me a lot, you're aligning with the people I would on like paper expect you to align with. And yeah. so, yeah, you got to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I was surprised to see Voce go so early. Although I think in the preseason, I did pick Voce as my first boot pick. Oh, wow. Um, but, but because I was imagining this scenario where, Evie and Voce butted heads, uh, but that actually wasn't the case. Right. I think I think Evie was probably sad to have to vote Voce out. So yeah, I, I'm very surprised to see Voce go this early because Voce was a huge character in the preseason. Uh, people, uh, I think a lot of people probably put a lot of bets on Voce to go very far in this game, and uh, alas, he did not, and he honestly didn't really make an impact on the season a whole lot either. So uh, sad to see him go, but uh, probably not going to remember him too well. I was going to say gone, but never forgotten. But I mean, I think probably gone and forgotten. Uh, Maybe forgotten. Maybe forgotten. We'll see. But Heather lives on. Heather lives on to see another day. And if I don't see Heather get confessionals and camp life from Heather next episode, I'm going to start my letter writing campaign. Thank you. And I will be happy to co-sign. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything else from this episode? No, I, I just want to underline that I just thought this was like a fantastic episode. I feel like 
Whereas the first episode definitely felt like we were sort of like turning the gas on the stove back on. This one definitely felt like everything was like good to go. Yes, there are some new elements to the game, but I felt like I have those that I'm rooting for and those that I'm not. I enjoyed the challenge. I thought there was just really fun confessionals. I just thought there was so much to offer. And I, for some reason, I'm trying to watch this season with the lens of a new person who's never seen the show before to be like hey I've heard about this thing about Survivor it's still on like what is it and I feel like if I had just watched these two episodes I feel like I would already kind of be like in it and like I felt like the mm. tribals were exciting and especially we had that live tribal last week and now we had this tribal where you couldn't have predicted it and so I think for a new person watching it's always exciting to know that like you can't out sometimes you can but for at this moment you cannot outsmart this game like there's still things are going to happen that that you can't quite predict and so i just thought it was like really really entertaining what about yeah. you did you did you how are you i mean like overall like i know two episodes in but like do you feel like we've got a good season on our hands i think we've got survivor back i do think there's a lot of potential for it to be a good season uh, i do agree that this episode was told a good story, right? It told a good story and it told the story of the Yasa tribal. And the story of Heather. Uh, yeah, and the story of Heather's new career as a cheerleader. <laughs> I think Heather was flipping houses and then became uh, a stay-at-home mom. Yes. That, that's Heather, right? She was the house flipper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in the preseason. She used to flip houses, now she's a stay-at-home mom and I think she's got a new career. I think Danny could hook her up with a cheerleading yes. gig Sorry. in the NFL. <laughs> I didn't mean to derail you. What were you saying? <laughs> uh, no. So I think this episode told the story of the Yasa Tribal Council. This episode failed to tell us what the hell is going on at Ua, which I think uh, is, is a big failure. Like, look, I know they've only got an hour to work with, but we spent an entire segment at Prisoner's Dilemma Island focusing on two people creating an alliance that may or may not pan out, or not even an alliance, a potential alliance. So, you know, I think that sucked a lot of time. Uh, and I think that that's a familiar trap that Survivor has fallen into because I really, really feel like I need to know what happened at the Ua tribal in episode one. And at this point, I'm never going to find out for sure. Um, and I need to know what's going on at Luvu so that I care about the fact that they're winning challenges. Like there's no reason for me to be rooting for them because I have no idea who they are at this point in the game. So uh, that's where I think it failed. But but I do think it told the story of Yasa very, very well. Yeah, like we've seen um, tribes in the past that continue to win challenges and anxiety starts to build in them from just feeling like they're not playing the game at all. And mm -hmm. so we've seen situations where tribes- Speaking either... of Palau, yeah. Exactly. Um, oh, also I did want to mention Oolong is the tribe Oolong. on Palau. Yes, and yes, I remember yes, that yes. because it was Oolong and Karor. And I remember like- around season 10 was when I started to be like, I'm not going to be able to remember every tribe, yeah. <laughs> but Karor to me just stands out as like one of my favorite tribe names. I like love the way Jeff said it. Anyway, <laughs> Oolong, Oolong, Oolong. So yes, I do feel like there's the potential for an Oolong situation because yes, it seems to be like the consensus among many fans is that we're, this is probably going to be the season where there's not the tribe swap just because we have a little bit of that expect the unexpected feel to this season. And what could be exciting about that, I remember watching Palau at the time and being like, oh my God, the game, like the, the game just got broken, right? Like it was clearly, I don't think they anticipated a, a situation in which there would be a tribe completely decimated. 
And we haven't had that in 30 plus season. I know this would be the 31st season now. So I do think there's something as much as I'm like, oh, I hate that because I love that tribe so much and they wouldn't want to see them go. And I hope this does not happen because a lot of my faves are on that tribe. It would be exciting to see that. But no, actually, I hate that I just put that out there. I don't want to see that. <laughs> it would be exciting, but not for this season. Because I like, yeah. I just like, I even like Xander. I, I, I There's so many people I like, but the, that, that know, four, yeah. like, honestly, like, I want that to be um, the top. Uh, I was going to say the Toggy four, not the Toggy four. Who is the Cook Islands for? The I two four. I want yeah yeah. I'm getting I two four vibes from them. That's that's yeah. my that's my hope. Yeah, maybe maybe. I my heart's really still at Ua. Like I, I really love Shan. I really like Ricard. Uh, even you know like like I'm very curious to see Jeannie. I think JD is a really interesting player. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, JD was my winner pick. Remember, so I have to root for JD. So uh, I don't know. I. There are a lot of people to love. I think every tribe has its own interesting thing going on, yeah. uh, except for Luvu only because we're not seeing them. And I'm sure there are right. interesting things going on. But yeah, on definitely a I lot of people, a lot of people to love. And then Brad, I mean, so like there's definitely a lot of players <laughs> this season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's wrap this up. We will be recapping next week as well. So make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast so you don't miss our recap next week. There will be two episodes next week. There will be an episode on Wednesday uh, that will be specifically about challenges, our favorite challenges, some of the biggest challenge beasts in uh, Survivor's history. Uh, That's part of our ongoing series about sort of like the history and context of Survivor. Uh, That will be our last episode for a while uh, in that series because we're going to put a pause on that as we're doing these recaps. But that will be coming at Wednesday. Then we will have our recap uh, as usual on Thursdays. Uh, we do have a really exciting interview uh, with a former player coming up for you as well. A two-time, two-time player. A two-time player. A very, very sweet player. Yes. Uh, okay so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any of that and if you're listening on apple uh you can always leave us a rating and review as long as it's good agreed and our dms are open so if you have thoughts on the next episode or anything else uh please leave us a voice memo we'd love to react to some i was just gonna say uh, voice memo voice memo yeah yeah okay thank you so much for listening bye bye